to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. We'll be going to a few different scripture this morning as we share with you what God's put upon our heart. I'm uh, not sure how how this is going to go. And I know I say that a lot, but I'm, I'm not sure. Um, don't feel real well. I'm kind of weak. I don't know if you can notice in my voice or not, but I'm um, weak. But, uh, um, but I'm going to share with you what God's given and placed on my heart. Uh, <clears throat> someone, we were talking the other day, um, and then on one of my lessons on, I'm not sure whether it's Sunday night or Wednesday night, that uh, I was always in, encouraged <clears throat> that um, when I had a message or knew that God was giving me a message, that I knew oh, when we were talking about Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he was discouraged there in, uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 22 and 23, and um, he got beat up real bad, and, and the Lord came and stood by him and, and said, um, Paul, you've testified of me in Jerusalem. Now I need you to testify of me in Rome. And so Paul might have been thinking, well, that's going to be his last message because, you know, he was beaten nearly to death and they were wanting to kill him. And um, he thought, well, that this is it. But the Lord encouraged him and told him, said, you're going to preach one more time at least because I'm going to have you go to Rome. And so I, always, I said that I always figured if I had an unction for a message and God was putting a message on my heart for the following Sunday, then I knew I was going to at least live until Sunday to preach that message. And somebody asked me, said, well, what if you don't have that unction before Sunday? And I said, well, I just trust the Lord that he'll give it if I'm still here. Uh, but it's, it's an interesting concept. <clears throat> it's an interesting thing be able to be called by God to do something. Uh, and I don't know why I would say this to you, but it, uh, I knew that I was called because when my preacher would stand up and preach, I would sit back there and preach along with him. And I would find myself even saying, I probably wouldn't have said it that way. I would have said it this way. But that's what makes us different. But over this whole period of time, and please let me just speak what's on my heart today. I, I have this thing that I, and I've told you all before, I, I look at what's going on in society and in, in the situation or in the world that at any particular time. And I'm always looking at the bigger picture. I always try and look at the big picture of why is this happening like it's happening? Why did this happen the way it's happened? There's a bigger picture. And God has 
taught me that years ago that if I'm in a particular predicament that there's a reason that I'm there in that predicament. There's a reason that I'm there because God wants to use me. Because God wants to do something in my life as I'm there. And and I look at what's taking place in our society today and I see the church with uh, what some would call, and Jeff and I talked earlier this morning, with a bullseye on the back of the church. I see the, the opportunity that government has in order to restrict church, even in the midst of this pandemic. Um, there have been worse things in history than just this pandemic. There have been other reasons in history for people to act or for people to restrict or for people to do certain things. And I see this for myself in the big picture that not only is what we would classify as normal changing and changing drastically, or what we would classify as comfortable changing, that we see our world changing in a way that for you and I that have grown up in a free society, to somewhat be free, to no longer be free. With governments changing laws to restrict what was given to us years ago in 1776, the rights, the unalienable rights, that they would even say that was not given by government, but by given by God. And that these things would be dictated to us through the Word of God, the freedoms that we would have in what would be necessary for us to be able to conduct ourselves and, and through all of this, and I've said for years and I continue to say as long as I'm able to preach and as long as I'm able to stand in a pulpit anywhere, that, that we need to, uh, to stay close to God and depend on God and trust in God. That things are going to get worse. I hate to tell you that. I want to be able to stand up and give you a, a flowery message that things are going to get better, but they're not going to get better in the world. They're not going to get better in society. Things are going to get worse eventually. It's going to go downhill from here because it has to. In order for the Bible to come true now it could stop and things could get better for a little while and things could improve for a little while but in the big picture of things things must decrease things must get worse things must change life must change as we know it persecution must come to the church and to us as believers in Christ and in John chapter 15 
verses 1 through 8, Jesus Christ is speaking uh, in a way that would encourage us as Christians to abide in Him. Uh, and He's speaking this on the way to the garden as they are about to be confronted with some difficult situations in their life. These disciples are going to be tried for a little while. These disciples, it was going to get worse in their life. And can I say, even though it might get worse uh, in some situations, uh, when uh, let me jump ahead a little bit and say to you, that it gets better on that way because the worse that it gets, the closer God gets with us and the closer He is to us and the more His grace is sufficient for us and the better uh, our walk becomes with God as we grow in God. And so here, let me read these verses. I am the true vine and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Now notice this verse 2. This is really the verse that I want you to see. And I'm going to read all of them. But every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, now, how many of you have ever had a grapevine? Or maybe none of you? Well, one or two of you. Thank you all. I appreciate your input. Uh, you all kind of reluctant. I don't know if I'd want to admit to that or not. But uh, Or an apple tree or, or any kind of a fruit-bearing tree that in order to get better fruit or more fruit, you cut it back, right? And my brother had a, a big grapevine, a massive grapevine. And my daughter down in Tennessee, her and her husband had a couple of big grapevines there that had been there for a hundred years or better. His grandfather and, and great-grandfather had planted them there on the farm where they're at. And, and they got sheep, and the sheep ate them all down and killed them. Uh, but... Uh, that, that's a sad story, isn't it? But uh, something had been there so long and the sheep killed it. Uh, but every year, uh, he would just let it grow. I don't know that he, the times that I've been down there, my son-in-law, I don't know that he ever pruned it. He may have. He may have done it. But it, they just let it grow. And so it really quit bearing good fruit. And he probably didn't know what to do, maybe. Or maybe he just didn't want to. I don't know uh, what my son-in-law was thinking. But my brother had one, and it was big. It had been there for years. And he'd cut that thing back so far back, I would think it's going to die. And the, the very next time when it would start growing, branches would grow, and there would be fruit hanging everywhere, and he knew how to trim that thing and cut it back to where more and more and more fruit would come on that thing, big clusters of grape, and my neighbor would have that as well when I was a little kid, and, and I'd go down and I'd sit under her grapevine, and I'd pick the grapes off and eat them, and, and I never did like the the tough, chewy 
a part of the inside, but I loved that sweet nectar that came out from between the skin and that goober that was inside of that. I'd spit it out. But, but that sweet nectar that was there in that. And that Jesus says, now, if it's not bearing fruit, I'm going to cut it down and get rid of it. Uh, but if it is bearing fruit, I'm going to purge it. I'm going to cut it back to where it will bear more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch." and is withered, and men gather and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so, ye, so shall ye be my disciples." Go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7. Keep in mind, Jesus said the way that you're going to bear a lot of fruit is to be purged. The way that you're going to bear fruit, or a lot of fruit, a lot of good fruit, much fruit, he used the terminology, you must be purged. First, you must be cut back. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then all, excuse me, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have fathers of our flesh which correcteth us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness." Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. James chapter 5, verse 10. I believe that we are in a purging period of time as Christians in the church. I believe that the devil is working overtime to try and discourage people. 
Never have we been confronted with what we have been confronted with in our lifetime. When I've been in effect as well, my family members have passed away and I couldn't even go to the funeral to be with them that only immediate family only and only a certain amount of people could go. I've talked to numerous people that are in situations like that and and saying, what do we do? But I guess it really depends on who you are. Or what side you're on. I guess if you're George Floyd, you could have three memorial services with thousands of people coming to them. But our church can't have a memorial service for one of our members because of the virus. Liquor stores can stay open because they're deemed necessary and essential. But the church can't meet freely because we're not essential or necessary. Abortion clinics can stay open because they're needed. I mean, they've got to kill babies. But we can't gather as a church freely to preach the gospel of Christ that gives life to people. Churches all over America today are being restricted and saying they cannot sing because that spreads the virus. But you can go out on a street corner and picket and demonstrate and burn buildings and tear down statues, and that's okay. But the church is being purged. Whether we like it or not, or whether we approve of it or not, the church is being purged. I believe, and I see the government, and I see people that are that are looking at the freedoms, and I, and I say this and all with the understanding of, let me say first of all and foremost, that if, if people don't want to come to church because of the virus, don't come to church because of the virus. When I've had people call me and say, Preacher, I'm not comfortable with coming, I'll say, Stay home, don't come. Stay home, that's all right. If you're not comfortable with coming because of the virus, stay home. But, but listen, there's a freedom within society or within the church or the dictates of the church that we can worship God and still worship God uh, under certain restrictions. But I'm seeing the church as it's being purged and I'm seeing Christians as it's being purged. And verse 10 of chapter 5 of James, Take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. I'm seeing within churches all across the spectrum of people that I know. I was sharing with Jeff this morning. I'm going to ask you a question here in a little bit, but I'm going to get to it. Bobby 
Jones, was, we were talking, and we were talking about, I asked him, how, I said, how's church attendance down there where you are? And he said, not very good, and uh, not as good as it could be, not as good as it should be. Um, and, and I say this, and some of you are probably going to get mad at me, maybe already are, and you have to forgive me, um, but to give to to tell to tell me that you don't want to come to church and you all are here, but there's a whole lot of people that are listening to tell me that you don't want to come to church because you're afraid of getting the virus, then stay out of Walmart. Amen, preacher. Quit hanging out on the street corners. We're being tested. We're, we're being tried. If you want to go over into chapter 1 of James, and I'm not going to go there because of time's sake, but, but the godly are brought into affliction. The godly are brought into a place of affliction or purging uh, so that they might be brought to self-knowledge or that they might be brought to self-judgment. In fact, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 35 and 32, and you don't have to turn there, but, but Paul is talking to the Corinthian people and he said, Judge yourselves lest ye be judged. There comes a time in our lives to where we must be judged in ourselves. To where we must look at our own lives and look at ourselves and say, how have I held up through all of this? How have I held up through this? We'll have a greater faithfulness after self-judgment and after self-knowledge. We'll, uh, we're brought into purging we're brought into judgment we're brought into self-judgment uh, by the way that uh, by the way we handle certain things by the way we deal with certain things in our life by the way we deal with the tragedies or the difficulties in life we're brought into self-judgment by things that Jesus Christ has given us a mandate that when when people on TV on news uh, 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 on the news, on cable television, or whatever else, are attacking Jesus Christ and attacking the church and attacking uh, people that go to church. And I was thinking the other day, they, they've been fussing about how that uh, Jesus is the emblem of white privilege. Well, I've been to different countries. I've been to Jamaica, where 99% of the people there are black. And there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Christians down there that are worshiping God. They're not white. And I've been to India where I preached to nearly 10,000 people that were sitting in an auditorium, and they're not white. And I've been in Mexico where I preached in churches down there, and they're not white. And I preached in other countries to where there were either mixed groups or whatever. And I've read and I know people that have gone to Africa. And I know people that have gone to other places. And that Jesus Christ died for the world. He, he, he hung on the cross 
for everybody, for all of those, for whosoever will, let him come. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Jesus Christ is not just for the white man. Jesus Christ is for every color that was ever born under this uh, nation or under the world or ever brought into this world through the descendants of Adam and Eve. Jesus Christ died for everybody. He's not. Do not let the society divide us or deter us from the idea of who we are in Christ, that we are united in one body, not two or three different bodies, one body. There is no room for prejudice in the church of God. There is no room for prejudice in the house of God. There is no room for prejudice in the land of God. When we get to heaven, I don't know what color we're going to be. I don't know what we're going to look like. The Bible says we're going to be like He is, and we're going to look like He looked, and we're going to have His image one day, and we're going to have a new name. But wouldn't it be an awful thing for some of us if we were black? We're being tested. You're my, you're, and, and I'm not saying this to you. Nobody here has ever done me this way. Nobody has ever asked me this question here. But I pastored a church one time. The first Sunday I was in that church, a man came up to me and said, Preacher, what will you do when a salt and pepper couple comes into our church? And I said, uh, I like salt and pepper on cantaloupe. Why? He said, you know what I mean. And I said, no, you tell me what you mean. What are you going to do when a black uh, and a white comes into our church and they're married or they're a couple or they're dating? And I said, i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to set them on the front row and I'm going to preach Jesus to them and love them just like I'd love you. And he said, I'll get up and walk out. And I said, Goodbye. That's what I said. Monica knows. You're psychic, aren't you? you? I said, goodbye. Goodbye. There is no, do not let society divide us. We are being tested as a church. We're to love everybody, to love our neighbor. We're brought into uh, self-judgment. We're, we're to look at ourselves and see where we're at. See what we, how we're doing. See how we're handling this situation. We're brought under affliction that we might be brought to self-knowledge and self-judgment. As I just read in Hebrews chapter 12. Go with me if you would to Job chapter 42. We are being tested. James chapter 1, and I didn't want to turn there for time's sake, but it talks about that we should be, and I'm going to put this into Fudge Creek terms, I, and I probably said this before to you, I never enjoyed a whipping, did you? And and my mom or my dad, when I was younger, they'd say, I'm only doing this because I love you. 
I thought, no, you're not. You're mad at me. It, but, you know, they, we, they say those kind of things. But, but God says that he chastises us because he wants to make us better. Better Christians, better individuals, better soul winners, people that will bear a lot of fruit, people that are... Uh, and so when, we, when we're in the midst of a situation of, and, and we look at this situation and wherever it might be, whether it be we're put in a hospital or whether we're uh, put somewhere else or whether we go through something, why am I here? And I wouldn't doubt if... I know I have asked myself this question. I wouldn't doubt if Jordan has asked himself that question. Why am I here? What am I here for? Why am I here? What purpose am I? Why am I going through this? Do you, we all did a, a moment of self-judgment. We all did a moment of, of inventory, that we took inventory in our lives. Because Job's friends said, Job, you're doing this because you got sin in your life. Job said, no, I don't. No, I don't have sin in my life. I know I don't have sin in my life. I've not done anything wrong. I feared God. He, he really didn't know God that well. He really didn't understand God that well. And what we've read in the book of Job, he, he never experienced God for himself other than he was blessed tremendously. And, but Job was brought into a place because of Satan wanting to test him or try him Job was brought into a place of self-knowledge, self-awareness, and self-judgment. Chapter 42, verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not, things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Job is being brought to a place of self-judgment. He's being brought to a place of self-examination. Through all of this that Job went through, through all of this that Job experienced, through all of this that Job uh, suffered, and through all the encouragement of Job's friends, and they didn't give much encouragement. Through all the encouragement of his wife, he didn't get much encouragement there either. Curse God and die. Through all of these things that Job went through, Job was looking at his life, the testings that he was here. What purpose is all of this for? Why are we here? Why are we going through this? Why are we suffering this way? Why are we going through this situation? We could, may put the blame back on China. It's their fault. We may put the blame back on somebody else. 
I've heard people say it was Donald Trump's fault that we had the virus here. I've heard them say that it was the Democrats' fault we had the virus here. I've heard them say other people's faults we had the virus here. But through it all, we've been tested. Our character has been tested. In James chapter 1, when count it all worthy when you've been brought into temptation. And the word temptation there is trial. And what trial means is that your character has been tested to what caliber you are. Years ago, I was in welding school. When, when I was in high school, I went to trade school, learned to weld. And in welding school, we'd, we learned to weld two pieces of metal together. We'd have little strips of metal, and we would have to grind it down, bevel it, and get it cleaned up good. And then we would uh, flatten the end of a, a welding rod for a spacer, and we would put that together in a jig, tack it on both sides, and then we had to weld it together. Our bead weld and the weave weld, we had to weld it together. And when we got done, the teacher, our instructor, would come by, and he would put it in a machine that would bend it into a U-shape. And if it was a good weld the metal would break before the weld would. And if your weld held up, you passed that particular test. And I think sometimes that you and I are kind of like this. As Christians, we're being put in a machine to test us, to bend us, to purge us. And I was thinking yesterday, thinking of myself, not you, but myself. How have I done through all of this? Have I stayed faithful to God? Have I kept my prayer life and my Bible reading and my study going? Have I kept my witnessing going? How have I held up through this? Have I kept my faith in Christ the main focus in my life. I'm being tested to see what caliber or what my strength is or to see what kind of a Christian I am. I'm being tested. The church is being tested to see what kind of character we have as a church. I told Jeff earlier, Bobby shared with me when I asked him about how the churches were doing down there. He said, we have a very large church in our organization here. Quite a few people come to that church. And the pastors and different ones have been talking and they believe that 60% of their congregation will never come back to church after this is over with. No, that's not praise the Lord. They need to get right with God. Their, te their ch character has been tested. 
there and they have failed the test. Pastor friends all over the country that we've talked to are in the same situations all over the country. We are being tested. And I don't know why I thought of this. I don't know why I thought of this. I was invited to go to China one time to preach. And I, I wanted to go. I was going to go and couldn't work it out. It was going to be a difficult trip. The difficulty back then was not something that I was afraid of. And the fellow told me that there in some of their churches that before they have church that they'll have people come in with weapons and dressed up like the army and say to them, all right, everybody that's not a Christian, you can leave, but the Christians stay here. And people would get up and run out. And when it was all over with, the fellows would put down their weapons and say, now we can have church. Because they got rid of the people who were there to spy on them. They got rid of the people that were there to tell on them. And then they start having church. And I wonder sometimes if God's purging the church in America because it's going to show the true colors of the individuals that are there. Jeff said this morning, we have a core group of people in our church that are going to stick with it. Amen? Come on, help me out a little bit. You're here. You're going to stay here, right? We've got a group of people here. I'm glad I live in Clintwood, Virginia right now. I'm glad I do. Skip called me the other day. We were still up in West Virginia. He said, you're probably never going to come back. You like it up there? I said, I don't like it that well. I was eager to come back home. Uh, besides that, he had squash and zucchini for me. Uh, but I'm glad I live here because, as I told you all last week, there's a whole different mentality out there in big cities uh, or bigger cities and bigger towns. And... Uh, and even though we had a little demonstration yesterday here in our town, um, didn't get out much. How many of you knew about it? <laughs> uh, see, not much publicity here, is there? National news didn't get a hold of it here, did they? In fact, I wouldn't have known about it had Skip and Paul had not called me and asked me about it. But, but we had people out here on the street in front of our church with weapons demonstrating for the right to carry weapons. How many did you say? 40 or so? 30, 40? Mayor said 18, but there was more than 18. Uh, but, and nobody knew about it. 
but we're being tested. We're, we're being tried. My question is, how are you holding up? How are you doing under this testing that we're going through? How are you holding up not being able to come to church as much as you would like to come to church? Not being able to fellowship together as much as you would like to fellowship together? Jesus said in order for us to bear much fruit, we're going to have to be purged a little bit. There ought to be a determination within us. There ought to be a... a, a just something within us, a fire that would be there to want to do more and want to do more in ways. We're going to have to come up with ways. Alita and I have talked about this. Others, and I've, Jordan and I have talked about this. Uh, Joe and I have talked about this. We're going to have to come up with ways that we can still do ministry and still reach people and still do things under the restrictions or under the guidelines that we have that does not have to stop ministry. That does not have to stop us from being witnesses. That does not have to hush our mouth or close our mouths to the fact of the preaching of the gospel or the sharing of the gospel or the giving of the gospel to tell folks about Jesus no matter where we're at, no matter what we're doing, no matter what we're going through at the time, no matter... Uh, the situation, there's still people out there that need to hear the good news of the gospel of Christ. There's still people out there that need to hear. In fact, I'm finding there's more people that want to hear because there's still people that are scared. There's still people that are troubled. And as we see the numbers increasing all over the United States of America. As we see, and I believe, I'm, I may be wrong, and I'll just say this, I believe they're going to come to a point to where they're going to want to shut us down again. I believe it's going to come to a point to where they're going to stop us again. They're not thinking this thing's going to be over for a while. But this has not taken the Lord by surprise. This has not hindered him in any way. And when we're put into the test to see what kind of character that we have, let's come out of it. Let's come at it with more determination and with more stick to if that's even a word. That more ideas, more opportunities, more excitement. How are you coming through this test in your life? Stand with me, please. Father, God, I believe 
as I preached this morning, tried to share with these folks just for a little while. Persecution may come in different forms. It may come because of this virus. It may come because of other things. But, Lord, it, it's here. We're being restricted. We're, we're in a free society. We're in, we're in a, a free group of people. And we, we just don't like our freedoms to be restricted in any way for whatever reason. But God help us to come up with ways and ideas to adapt to the situation that's around us. Help us as we're being tried and tested to come out of it. God help us more determination, but to look at ourselves, the self-judgment, self-examination, to judge ourselves. How have I handled this situation? How have I done through this situation? I understand the fear, and I understand folks not wanting to get out and around other people. I understand that completely. I understand that. There are ways that we could reach out. There's ways that we can witness. There's ways that we can touch people's lives. God, help us to come up with things. God, help us to stand firm, stand true, stand for right. God, help us to do the right thing. Is it better to obey God than man? Is it better to listen to the Word of God and the dictates of the Word of God than the restrictions of man. And then we care about each other. We love each other. and We don't want each other to be hurt, to be sick, to, to be in danger. It's a tough situation. God, help to clarify it for us. And when all of this is over, we can look at our lives and even now look and say, I believe I've done okay. Might have done better, but I believe I've done okay. I believe it's going to be all right. Father, I pray for your leadership and I pray for your blessings. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.